0: Well, from time to time, I, I like to start my sermons with a little quiz, and uh, I know uh, Ryan normally does really well on these. He did really well at our progressive dinner the other night, so it's everyone against Ryan. I think that's probably unfair on Ryan's side, but we'll, we'll try how it goes. Okay, <clears throat> um, when you know this first one, the, the, the theme of my quiz this morning is numbers, okay, Numbers. Uh, (laughs) numbers is the theme okay I'm gonna I'm gonna put a number up there and then you're gonna tell me like what what comes to mind Um, what it is what comes to mind anything like that and they range from some are easy some are more difficult the first one is not not so difficult here we go pie Pie. you knew that was coming (laughs) you anticipated this is pie to I forget Many, 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 many digits, maybe a 1,000 digits, so I'm not sure, I've not memorized that far yet, I'm about seven, seven in, so I've got a ways, I've got a ways to go. Okay, this one's a little more challenging, you ready, here we go. Golden ratio, Ryan, you just, <laughs> Darren, good job, good job, golden ratio, um, yeah, okay, here's another one, this would be a, this would be, this one's a race, you ready? Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, okay, this one's along the same theme, maybe not quite as quick, but should be pretty quick, Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky. Edmonton Oilers, number 99, now I know, Yvonne, you weren't going to get, maybe, Jordan, did you know Jordan, okay, good, all right, well, I know you didn't know this one, all right, um, now, now these, this, this theme is uh, more kind of scientific, okay. Minus 273 is absolute zero in Celsius. Zero Kelvin is, is there. It is, but Kelvin is close enough. You got it. Okay, this one's really really fast. This is just for kids. You ready, kids? Okay, no adults on this one. Days in a year. That's right. Okay, all right. Now this one's um this one's um a little bit more difficult. I, I want it's it's a book. I want you to give me the author. George Orwell. 1984, Big Brother. Okay, I got another book. Give me the author. Ray Bradbury. Fahrenheit 451, talking about burning, burning books. Okay, and then here's where we're coming. What's this? The Devil's Number, the Mark of the Beast. And uh, this number occurs in our text today, so we're going to talk about it only a little bit because... It's like, I have no idea really what it is, actually. We'll just pull what the text can say about it. But we come to Revelation chapter 13. So if you would, open your Bibles to Revelation 13. In our text today, we're going to see two beasts. And uh, thus, the title of my message this morning is, The Beasts. And uh, what I like to do is just read the entire chapter, put the whole thing in your head, so just so you can kind of think about it in perspective, and then we'll work our way through the text. This is our pattern. Revelation 13, John saw this. He says, "'I saw a beast rising out of the sea "'with ten horns and seven heads, "'with ten diadems on its horns "'and blasphemous names on its head. "'And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, "'its feet were like a bear's, "'and its mouth was like a lion's mouth, "'and to it the dragon gave his power "'and his throne and great authority.'" One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against us? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and language and nation and people. And all who dwell on earth will worship it everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain if anyone has an ear let him hear if anyone is to be taken captive to captivity he goes if anyone is to be slain with a sword with a sword he must be slain here's a call for the endurance of faith and the, here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints and then i saw another beast rising out of the earth it had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon to give breath to the image of the beast. So the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for its number is the number of man, and his number is 666. Lots of confusing stuff in there. I'm just asking for grace today. I'm going to give my old college try. So here we go. Uh, We're going to look first at the beast from the sea. Verse 1. And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns, and blasphemous names on his head. Now this beast sounds a lot like we saw in chapter 12. Remember when John saw this sign in heaven? If you look back at chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. Now, the difference between chapters twelve and thirteen is is just subtle, but in in Chapter twelve, we have a dragon, and in Chapter thirteen we have a beast. Other than that, these creatures look alike uh, seven heads, ten horns, diadems. Uh, but verse one gives us a, a little bit more detail about the beast. It, it says this: it has blasphemous names on its heads, so somehow imprinted on his heads were these these names that were blasphemous against god not going to even speculate what what that means but it gives an indication this beast is clearly against the lord that's why many call this beast the antichrist the one who is against christ who will rise up against the lord and against his people well more about this beast is seen in verse two and the beast that i saw was like a leopard its feet were like bears, like a bear's, and its mouth like a lion's mouth. And to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. Now, if you try to picture it all, John may have seen something like, like this. We we read that it uh, was like a leopard. That sort of looks like a leopard. Um, its, its feet were like a bear's feet. You can see the bear's feet there. Uh, in, that, in that picture, um, but also right here's where the apocalyptic, it's like its mouth was like a lion's mouth, but it's got 10 heads, but it's got one mouth, so I don't know how all that fits together. It's just kind of what it is, um, but we read that this, this dragon is power, and we read that this dragon is, is different than this beast, actually. This beast is different than the dragon because in verse 2 it says, And to it, to the beast, the dragon gave his power and throne and great authority. So it sort of looks like the dragon, but it's the beast, and so it's a little bit different. And I, I think really that the beast is the dragon's representative on earth to do his will. The, the dragon is the power in heaven, and then its, it's, it's mark, or the, the one that looks like that, is, is on earth. Now in verse three again we're told a little bit more about this beast and and one of his heads seemed to have a mortal wound but its mortal wound was healed that's not shown here in in the picture and I'm not sure how John noticed this if if you look in verse fourteen it speaks about he was wounded by the sword and yet lives so maybe there was some huge scar maybe in in one of the necks of one of these heads I I don't even know um, but it is significant and we'll return to this fact later just kind of tuck it away well notice the power this beast yields verse 3 the second half it says and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast and they worshiped the dragon like to use the beast on earth but that kind of passed through to worship the dragon for he had given authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying who is like the beast and who can fight against it so John saw all the earth worshiping the dragon who had given authority to this beast. And the idea is this. This beast is so powerful that none can fight against it. None can oppose it. So the world worships the dragon, the power behind the beast. And then in verses 5 and 6, we, we see this beast further described. We see this. And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is those who dwell in heaven. And here we see the wickedness of the beast. Right? He's given a mouth. Right? he said seven mouths, so again, right? but given this, this voice, if you will, and uttering blasphemous words, showing himself an enemy against God. It's almost as if this beast, like anything that he can think of, that he can blaspheme against God, this beast does. It says they're blaspheming against God, blaspheming his name, blaspheming his dwelling, Right, just those who dwell in it, like anything around. He's just speaking against it and railing against it on his tirade. And it says here that verse 5 that he does so for 42 months and again we've seen this time frame before in chapter 12 verse 6 we saw 1260 days which is the same time times and half a time in 12 14 that's three and a half years because time is one times is two and half a time is another half it just speaks of a delimited limited time frame that this beast has power and we see further power and 7 and 8, and it was also allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. We see here this beast is a military force to be reckoned with. It makes war. This, feast also, this beast also seems to have worldwide power because it's got worldwide admiration. With all who dwell on the earth, worship this beast. With the exception, though, of those who follow the Lamb. That's where, where we come in. Right? But, but reading between the lines, you can see and can figure out that this is more forced submission than it is genuine worship. I'm thinking North Korea. You worship the leader, or you're in prison for years, perhaps killed. And of course, those who are faithful to the Lord will, will never worship such a beast. And as a result, it says that they are conquered. They are in prison, perhaps killed for their faith, such is the plight of faithful followers of Jesus. Now, the book of Revelation is already anticipated the saints being conquered and being martyred and put to death. Remember chapter 6? In chapter 6, the martyrs were under the altar and pleading with the Lord. Chapter 6, verse 10. "O oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. They had been killed for standing up for Christ. And there's pleading for God and his justice to come and vindicate their blood. And God says, Revelation chapter 6 and verse 11 they were given a white robe and told to rest a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. And here it is. This, they Verse 7 conquered the saints. Certainly the saints are being killed in war and they're just adding to this number. And again, once this number is complete then God would execute his wrath. But there's this number of saints who need to be conquered now know this none of this takes god by surprise none of it he knows the number it's in his control we see this in verse 8 because we see this book it's called the book of life of the lamb it's often referred to as the lamb's book of life it's it's filled with the names of those who are faithful to jesus and it's those who are in the book don't worship this beast notice did you when these names are written in the book they were written in the book before the foundation of the world. That is, they were written in this book before any of us was created. Before the world was created. Before the heavens and the earth were created. God had this book, and he's writing down the names. Ephesians 1: Chosen before the foundation of the world. And he knows. It's filled with all the names of the faithful followers of Christ for all time. It's no shock to God when anyone comes to Christ. It's from before the foundation of the world. He had planned it out. He would written it down in his book. And it's no shock to God when we remain faithful, even under attacks of this worldwide beastly power. right? Because God preserves those who trust in him. God preserves those who are his sheep. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 10? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. His sheep are the ones who are written in the book from the foundation of the world, identified, yes, as sheep. In the book of the Lamb, right, there's sheep. They hear the voice of Jesus. They, They respond to Jesus. They follow him. Jesus gives them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one is able to snatch them out of his hand, not even a beast with seven heads and ten horns who persuades the entire world to worship him. That beast is not strong enough to take us out of God's hand. And by the way, this is the comfort of the book of Revelation, regardless of how bad things are or will be in the future. The future is never out of God's control. Even when a powerful worldwide ruler comes and demands worship of all who dwell on the earth, God's people will be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refuse to bow down to the image of the king. God will preserve and protect his people and, and find refuge in that, a church family. Right? If you're trusting in Christ, your name is in the book, you're in his hand, no one's going to snatch you away, even that hideous beast won't snatch you away. And by the way, it's no surprise to God that this beast would rise up out of the sea. Did, did you notice the passive verbs in verse 7? Verse 7, it was allowed, that is the beast, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Verse 7, all authority was given it over every tribe and people and language. Who do you think allowed it? Who do you think gave it the authority? The authority? These are what's known as divine passives. That is, God is the one who grants the authority. God is the one who gives. Because the beast has no authority except the authority it's given it to by God. God allowed the beast to arise. God gave the authority over the nations. God, the beast is merely God's instrument in executing his judgment upon the earth. So what Revelation is about, right? It's the, the revelation of Jesus as he comes to take his kingdom. And in so doing, he's going to pour out his judgment. Through the book of Revelation, we've, we've seen so far that he does that in seals and trumpets. We're going to see in chapter 16 that he does that in the bowls. And in chapter 13, God judges the world through his beasts. Remember when he called Cyrus, the Persian emperor, my servant? Remember when he called Assyria, my axe, which cuts down the tree? Here's the beast judging the world. Now, the big question is this, right? You've been waiting for this. I've been trying to be, who's the beast? Who is the beast, right? We've been through enough revelation to understand these symbols all have meanings behind them. This is what John saw, but then there are meanings behind that. Who's the beast? Well, I would say a better question to ask is who are the beasts? The fact this beast has seven heads gives a hint this beast is representative of, of several beasts. And furthermore, we're given an interpretation of sort in, in uh, Revelation 17. So let's, let's turn over there. Revelation 17. I'm going to read a chunk of scripture here because it describes who this beast is or who these beasts are. Revelation 17 with the appearance of this great prostitute. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls from chapter 16 came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who's seated on the many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the, the dwellers on the earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and on its head, on a, and it had seven heads and ten horns. Right, So here's this woman riding on this beast, this, this beast that we saw here. we got this woman on top of this thing, is what John sees. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of earth's abomination. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. So you see somehow she's involved in conquering the nations, killing Christians. The blood is is on her. And John says, When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads, the ten horns that carry her. We're like, great. And uh, the reason why I come in here is because he spends only a little bit of time talking about the woman, but a lot of time talking about the beast. That's why we've turned here. Read on, verse 8. The beast that you saw was, and is not, and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was, and is not, and is to come. Here again, right, we see the beast with the horns, and it's got blasphemous names, right, that is unique of the beast and not of the dragon. And also we have another reference here, back to chapter 13 of verse 8, about this book that was written from the foundation of the world, containing all the names of those who would be faithful to Jesus and enjoy ultimate, eternal life with him. But now in verse 8, we're told several things about the beast. He was, he is not, he is to come. Does that ring a bell at all he was he is not and is to come right right here you need to see the true nature of the beast and how this beast is trying to be god in in chapter 13 we've already seen how this this beast draws all who dwell on the earth to worship him as God does. In fact, at one point in their worship, they say, like verse 4, Revelation 13, 4, who is like the beast and who can fight against it? Right? This beast is so strong and so powerful. Who can can fight against it? Right? All glory and honor to him. Just like God. Psalm 113, verse 5. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Right? Who can stand before the Lamb? Revelation chapter 6, right? God is the all-powerful one. We need to bow in reverence to him. But here the earth is thinking that all power belongs to the beast who has given his power by God. This beast is an imitation of God. We we see Satan the dragon in the heavens. He sends his likeness to earth to dwell among those on the earth. So it's difficult to distinguish between the, the, the dragon and the beast. This beast has a mortal wound that was healed. Just like the Lamb of God, the second person of the Trinity, who appears, Revelation 5, 6, as one having been slain. This is obviously the beast trying to mimic the Trinity. And this beast here is the second person of the Trinity trying to mimic him. And here we read the beast who was and is not and is to come. We're also in Revelation we heard this phrase? Haven't you heard the beast described who was and is and is to come? And this beast who so wants to be like God, here, here, the angel sort of mocking him. He he was, and he is not, and he is to come. I think it's a a knock on this this beast is really what it is. Divine mockery of this beast who so wants to be God, but he's not God. The beast is nothing other than a demonic counterfeit God who craves the worship of the world. The best way to understand this this beast is Satan parading himself as God, deceiving the nations into worshiping him. All right, let's keep going. Chapter 17, verse 9. That was a little segue. And we'll we'll kind of come back to that more because there's lots of parallels here between the the beast and the second beast. Uh, Let's continue. Um, Here we go. Verse 9. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. Verse 10, they are also seven kings, five of whom who have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. And here we see the fact that this beast with seven heads really is seven kings in one being. It's, it's, it's kind of Satan personified working through all these, these kings. Here we're told that five have fallen, one is, and the other is Yet to come. Now, this is written sometime during the first century, right? Probably written towards the end of the century. And when it was written, Rome was in power, worldwide power, by the way. And John was told that one of these heads represents the emperor in his day. And that before his day, there'd been five who had fallen, one was in his day, and one yet to come. Who are the beasts? Here they are, some five worldwide powers before probably Rome, and then probably one who is to come. Now, some view this beast as the, the Roman Empire, right? So the whole beast is the Roman Empire, and so the heads of the fallen Roman emperors are, are like in John's recent history, like just, just these Roman emperors who have fallen, like Caesar and Augustus and Tiberius and Claudius, if you will. Like, So they, they see the whole thing as Rome. I think that's a little bit short-sighted i I think others view it i think better as probably the the world powers that have dominated egypt first and uh, assyria and babylon and persia and greece and now rome in his day and i think that's the best interpretation because the beasts here mirror the four great beasts that come out of daniel chapter 7 right so i'm going to turn to daniel 7 if you want to you can um but we're, we're just going to read and just see lightly the fact that these beasts are, are sort of similar. But it's apocalyptic, right? They're not exactly the same, but there's a similarity. Daniel chapter 7, Daniel speaks about this dream, what he saw in his vision. He said, uh, verse 3, I saw four great beasts come up out of the sea. Four beasts out of the sea. A little bit like this first beast. Different from one another. The first was like a lion that had eagle's wings. And as I looked, its wings were plucked off and it's lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, verse 5, another beast, the second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side, it had three ribs out of its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. Verse 6, and after this I looked, and behold, another, the third, like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to us. And after this I saw in the night vision, behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong it had great iron teeth it devoured and broken pieces and stamped what was left behind with its feet and it was different from all the beasts that were before it and it had 10 horns so here you've got four beasts and the last one has 10 horns now most bible interpreta- interpreters would take these beasts of daniel 7 as representative of worldwide powers through human history babylon and persia and Greece and Rome, in light of daniel chapter two it 's probably the best way to take these beasts it 's probably the best way to see the, the beast here in Revelation 13, as it 's explained in chapter 17. that the beast basically represents any current worldwide kingdom powers throughout human history. Now we could continue with Daniel seven, It speaks more about the ten horns, and we could continue Revelation seven. It speaks about the ten horns. But that just takes us further and further into speculation that we don't need to apply and understand Revelation 13. So we'll leave that discussion for another day. So let's let's go back to Revelation 13 and the beast. We left off in verse 8, just talking about who is the beast. Speaks about the worldwide worship this beast receives. And then in verse 9 and 10, we have a saying and an application. In verse 9, here's a saying, If anyone has an ear, let him hear. That's a common saying that, that was said to, when Jesus spoke to all the churches. So I just kind of calls you to wisdom, calls you to, to perk up a little bit. If you have an ear, let him hear. And then I think this is sort of like a proverb. It's a very simple proverb. If anyone's to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone's to be slain with a sword, with a sword he's to be slain. Like, if something bad is going to happen, it's going to happen. You're going to be killed, you're going to be killed. Right? If uh, you're going to be taken to jail, you're going to be taken to jail. And so basically it's talking there, though, about just the, the torment that's coming upon the saints of the earth it takes us really back to the worship the beast requires, right? If you don't worship the beast, you'll be taken captive. If you don't worship the beast, you'll be slain. And we've seen this in totalitarian governments throughout the history of the world that, rely, that, that require allegiance to the government or imprisonment and death if you don't. And it's often been the case throughout history of the world. And in recent times, I just think of some, some nations say like Russia before the Iron Curtain fell. I mean, there were Christians in the work camps and Christians put to death solely because they wouldn't bow their knee to the Marxism of the day. We see it today in North Korea, that there are Christians in North Korea who've not bowed the knee to the emperor, to the president, Kim Jong-un, and have found themselves away from their family in work camps. And in Iran, maybe it's a little bit different, right? If you don't worship Mohammed, Right? Maybe it's not the world, so you don't worship Muhammad. You'll find yourself in prison pretty quickly and perhaps killed as an infidel. And so to some degree or another, we see some of it in China. We see some of it in India today. And someday it may come to us. But it was a very present reality for John, who was writing. The early church faced much persecution. John himself faced persecution. In fact, he wrote this as a prisoner on the island of Patmos, So there's very much a reality, verse 10 is, that just the the suffering from this beast may well come. But we see here, then the application. You say, what's the application of the first beast? Well, you forget everything I said until we come to the application. Here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Amidst all the history and all the speculation and the exact meaning of the beast, this application of Revelation 13 is extremely clear. clear. Like, you might get the beast wrong. I may have totally missed it on the beast or who it was or identifying as the nation. Maybe it's the Roman emperors. Maybe it's something else. Maybe the time isn't 42 months. Maybe there's a different time. Whatever it is, here it is. Here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. We're called to endure. We're called to keep the faith. That's what Revelation is all about. Jesus is coming back. We're longing for him to be back. We're going to be faithful to him, regardless of what it means. Even if it costs us our lives, we'll be faithful unto death. That's what Revelation 13 is calling us to die for Jesus. Yes, we're faithful to him. May I remind you, this is the application of the Church of Smyrna. They're being persecuted. They're being thrown into prison. And he tells them, Jesus does, Revelation 12, 10, 2, verse 10, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. You be faithful even to death, I'll give you the crown of life. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus? Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So, church family, do not fear the beast. All it can do is kill your body. But fear him who can destroy both your body and soul in hell. Fear the Lord. right? Because the beast is powerful, yes. He's a governmental authority. He has, he has powers. He has weapons of warfare physically. And, and if you're going to be taken captive, you're going to be captive. If you're going to be killed by the sword, you're going to be slain by the sword. But it, this call is here to be endure and trust. It's a call to, to endure to the to the saints, right? And just know that you're, you're secure in the hand of God. He will not tempt you beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, he's got you. He's going to provide you the way of escape. The way of escape may be death, by the way. Be faithful. Endure. Those who endure to the end will be saved. All right. Let's move on from the first beast to the second beast. This beast comes from the earth. The first one came from the sea. This one comes from the earth. And we'll see some parallels to the spirit, the third person, the Trinity. Dragon, beast from the sea, beast from the earth, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 11, Then I saw another beast rising up out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. All right, I scoured the internet for a picture of this second beast. This is my favorite one. It seems like a... You know, fourth grader uh, drew, this, drew this picture. Um, I think it's really good, right? Coming up out of the earth, right? It's almost like, you know, kind of like a volcano there, whatever's coming up out of the earth, really good. Uh, John doesn't tell us what type of beast this is, only has qualities like a lamb and like a, a dragon. Horns like a lamb and a voice like a dragon, maybe breathing fire or something, I, I'm not exactly sure. But, but the reason why I like this picture is it captures the essence of the beast, Ultimately, the beast is like a dragon who's the power behind the beast. It has characteristics of a lamb that wants everybody to see. It yep, looks like a lamb, just a poor little lamb. The picture also evokes the imagery Jesus used of the false teachers of his day. Matthew 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Right? The ravenous wolves on the inside. Outside, they look pretty good. But inside the ravenous wolves. And so likewise this has lamb characteristics, but it speaks when it speaks it betrays itself because it speaks like the dragon. And again you see resemblance of the dragon in heaven, and he's speaking there like that, the serpent of old. Well, let's continue on how John further describes the creature. And here is not describing its physical appearance as much as its activity. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence. And makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed, and again, you got to point out here that how like the Trinity this is, the dragon's like the father, the first beast like the son, having a mortal wound that's healed, the second beast like the spirit, who directs worship to Jesus. Do you know this is what the spirit does? The spirit is the one who brings a remembrance to the disciples, and then he, he says, "Go to Jesus, look at Jesus, John 16:14. Jesus simply says to the Spirit, He will glorify me. The Spirit is Christ-centered, glorifying Christ, taking attention off of Himself and pointing it to Jesus. One of the many roles of the Spirit is to convict sinners of their need for Christ and direct them to Jesus, John 16, verses 7-11. through 11, right? Direct them to Jesus that He would be glorified. And that's what we see the second beast doing. We see Him making people worship, not Himself, but making people worship the first beast just like the Spirit might do. Look at the persuasive tools of the second beast. He's got a lot of tools at his disposal. Verse 13, It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to the earth in front of people. And by the signs that is it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, (coughs) it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. There it is a third time, Right? Wounded, killed, and yet lived again. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast. So the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. The second beast here is a miracle worker. He performs great signs. Fire coming down from heaven upon command. Elijah-like ability. The beast has resurrection power. To give life to this image of the beast. And all these miracles are for the purpose of persuading people to worship the first beast. Again, right? I can't help but to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he warned of these things. Matthew 24 in the Olivet Discourse, when speaking speak about end times, he says this, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. False Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. But it's not possible. If you're written in the Lamb's Book of Life, it's not possible to be led astray. Because He's got you. It's not whether you can lose your salvation, it's whether God can lose a Christian. He can't. He's in our hands. In his hands. And Jesus says, then see, I've told you beforehand. I'll come back to that. I told you beforehand. The miracles the beast performs here are real. This is no sleight of hand. This is no pen and teller magic. This is the real deal. And because of these miracles, many come to believe in the beast and they worship the first beast. And if one doesn't worship the beast, what happens? They lose their life. You see a theme here? I hope you do in Revelation 13. It's kind of like clear cut. Here's the beast from the sea. Worship him or get killed. Here's the beast from the earth, right? You need to worship that other beast. Or be killed. Will you worship the beast or will you worship Jesus? The message and application about these beasts in Revelation 13 is, is all about worship. And in Revelation we have seen how worthy Jesus is to worship. How worthy the Father is. Do you remember those, those choruses that, that sang out in Revelation 4 and 5? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign upon the earth. Worthy are you to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Revelation 7, salvation belongs to our God and to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Revelation 7, verse 12, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. God is worthy of worship and yet here come these beasts saying, I don't think so. You need to worship me. You need to worship me. It's what Revelation is about. It's a clear choice. Are you going to worship the beast, the false prophets, those opposing Jesus, seeking glory for themselves, or are you going to worship the Lord who has demonstrated himself to be so worthy and magnificent? And church family, I say this, right? Don't follow the beasts. Follow Jesus. And that may be easy when you see the beasts, you see how big, but don't follow the little beasts either. The little substitutes for God to make the things that aren't big like like beasts but they're subtle and deceptive and taking you away worship the Lord it's what revelation is about following Christ okay now we come to our number verse 16 also it that is the the second beast it causes all both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for its number is the number of man, and his number is six, six, six. Now, there are many who think this is literally true, that people will be marked on their hand and on their forehead. All right. I, I'm thinking particularly of the movie The Thief in the Night. How many of you have seen the movie The Thief in the Night? Okay. Um, I hadn't until I started preaching through Revelation, and then I did. And um, I don't recommend it, but you can watch it. I'm not telling you not to watch it at all, anything like that. And uh, in this movie, and here's some screen grabs I, I grabbed from the movie. You can see this guy. has got the forehead right there. There's this, this mark. Right, there's a thief in the night there's there's the movie right there, and these united people are coming after this woman who didn't take the mark. But but there it is. There's the mark. Do you know what's that mark mean? Anyone know what that mark means? 666, six, six, how is it six that doesn't look like six, six 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 to me. What? It's sort of a code. What code is it? It's what? What is it? Not Morse code, close. Binary, base two. And the first digit base two is worth one. The second base two is worth two. And then the third is worth four. And then just to show that it's base two, it's zero, which is eight zero eight, plus a four, plus a two, plus a zero. That would be six six six. So there's a thief in the night, Lyle. A lot of subtle things. So now you can enjoy the movie even better because you know what this mark, this mark means. But here in this scene, this guy is being marked on the forehead. Boom, 666. And you can't go into the store unless you're citizen only with a mark. Where's your mark? On your forehead and on their hand. Okay, there's some who believe this to be literal. I, I think you've got to take it like Revelation. I think John saw a physical mark on the forehead. Right? But you don't need much we need to read the book of revelation as we've been doing again what john sees is not reality that beast is not real but that beast represents something and this mark on the forehead and on the on the hand is probably not real but it corresponds with reality see i see no need for a physical mark for god to use look look at chapter 14 verse 1 we're going to see this And I looked and behold, on Mount Zion stood a lamb with him, 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads, sealed, if you will, right? We saw these in Revelation chapter 7, written on the forehead, right? Here I am, holy to the Lord, I'm the Lord's, right? But do you think the Lord needs a physical mark on people to identify them? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says he sealed every believer in Christ with his spirit. Everyone of you who believe are sealed with a spirit, right? As God's possession. It's as if we have a mark, but it's way better than that. He who names the stars doesn't need to remember all the names of those he has sealed with his spirit. Now, when it comes to this mark, you can't sell with, without it. Now, the technology is totally available, for this to happen today, right? Especially as we're equipped with our, our smartphones, right? It is easier and easier than ever to be uh, marked with this. But it's interesting, is it not, that if it's ever going to happen with a, a smartphone or a, a chip in here, every chip's unique. It's not the same thing. It's not It's not six six six. It's not 666. It's not, everyone has a different mark because we all need to be identified when we respond but it can, it can totally happen. In some regards, it's happening already. Um, India recently just banned all currency that was whatever, below a, a specific amount. Like, and you can't use currency in India that's anything more than $10 or $5 or something like that. I don't know how, that was a couple years ago. I haven't followed up with how that is. But they're going wireless, this cashless society. It's so easy to do, and, and when it does, right, we need wisdom to respond. I think that's the application for the second beast. This calls for wisdom, right? Figuring and understanding about taking this mark and everything this mark means, but you need it to live. Let the one who's understanding calculate the number of the beast for the number of man, for it is the number of man, his number is six, six, six. Right? The first beast called for endurance. This is calling for wisdom, and I need wisdom right now to know. What 666 is? I think there's wisdom you need to know in terms of whatever taking this means in terms of living or dying. But what I think what it means is if you don't take the mark of the beast, you're going to starve to death is what's going to happen. And many people are going to have the wisdom it's better to starve than to buy food and submit myself to the beast. Now, what 666 is? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, people come up with, with things um, you know, they, they assign letters to numbers and try to figure all of this stuff out. And, I mean, simply Ronald Wilson Reagan, six letters. it He was, that's the mark of the beast if you follow Reagan. I, I remember hearing one man ask me whether www was 666. Because in the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Beith, Gimel, Dalit, Hey Vav. There it is, W Vav, 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 six, six, six. So there's just six letters. And some have said, oh, the Internet, that's the mark of the beast. Don't take the do Whatever. I think the best way is simply to glean what John gives us. The hint here. He says, the beast's number is the number of man. His number is six, six, six. And I think right in Revelation we have seen seven. Seven comes up over and over. Seven's like God's number. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls, seven churches, seven spirits of God, but somehow maybe the six falls short. I'm not exactly sure, but even in this, the beast is falling short of imitating the Trinity, trying and longing, and instead the beast takes man's number rather than God's number. And we just need to stand firm and have wisdom then to discern the the spirit of the age and what's, what's taking place in the age when a totalitarian worldwide government would require of us a, a number of some type that we can't purchase without that number. Well, I just close with what we prayed through this morning in our prayer meeting. We prayed through 50, Psalm 57. Just one verse in there. I just want to just urge you to. Psalm 57 begins, just God be merciful to me, be merciful to me, he says, I'm going to take refuge in you. Be exalted, O God. And then he says, verse 7, really stirred out to me this morning as so we were praying through this. That was great. He says, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. And that's my heart for all of you. That you would just have a steadfast heart that says, I'm going to, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going, to, I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to worship Him. Come what may. Come what these beasts do. Let them do. Let them wreak their havoc. My heart is steadfast, Lord. My heart is steadfast on you. May that be our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Oh, Father, may our our hearts be steadfast towards you. May we find refuge in the shadow of your wings until the storms of destruction pass by. As the psalm says twice in verse 5 and 11, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And God, we desire your glory to be over all the earth. Thank you, you've told us beforehand that we don't have to wait, God, for that time when when a beast comes upon us and and, um, we are demanded to worship you or to worship the government May you stir our hearts right now to think and resolve in that day that we will not stand worshiping any human leader despite the strength and power he shows. Whatever good he may profess to do, he's blasphemous. We're not going to follow that. We're going to follow you, God. We're going to follow the Lord. And so, God, I pray that you would strengthen us this day for that day. pray in Jesus' name. Amen.